podcast i'm your host jacob sherman start off since this is the first episode for those of you that are new joining us this episode uh and really this entire podcast is going to be basically just a platform to have guests on that are either friends of mine or just people that i think would give interesting conversations uh to help share their stories um and hopefully i can help people uh in, in their life maybe just change the way they think about bad situations or uh, just kind of take advice and apply it to their life to, to make it better. Um, so with that being said, I have my my first ever, ho- uh, not host, guest on the podcast. Uh, he's an ex-wrestling buddy of mine, and we have recently connected more through lifting recently. Uh, he's going off to Italy in October. He's the Italian stallion, Cameron Kua. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I don't know if I deserve that much of an introduction, but I genuinely appreciate it. Thanks, man. Of course you do, man. Everybody everybody gets their own intro. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. So we were actually uh, we were actually recording this episode already before this, but then we got interrupted. So yeah, we got six minutes in, and then uh, it was seventeen. Dad, <laughs> seven, oh, seventeen minutes. minutes yeah, that. that's what I said. And then yeah, uh, Jacob's dad walked down. Yeah, he he got home from my brother's track track event, so that's all right though, because it allowed us to get a little bit more uh, professionalism in, I guess. Get get a little bit of the no, rust out. Point. It's a great yeah, point. Yeah, because hey, practice makes perfect, right? So get a little bit of the rust out. Hopefully, this one goes a little bit smoother. Is a little bit better. Um, we worked out some technical difficulties too. <laughs> <laughs> we know where the recording's going this time, but yeah, man. So I believe we were. Um, I kind of want to pick up a little bit of what we were talking about. We were basically talking about wrestling and commitment because we were talking about how I used to play soccer and you asked me if I didn't wrestle, what would I do? And I said, I used to play soccer, but I, I decided to stop playing it because it kind of bored me and I wanted to commit more to wrestling. And then we were talking about commitment, like not really knowing the level of commitment. Um, would you say just generally in your life that, you often find yourself committing to things that you're not like really sure about or like you don't know the whole like story of the thing you're committing to because i feel like a lot of people that i know and i've done it too yeah just like man i'm I'm committing to something and this may be weighing over my head (laughs) well to your point though it's like i think it's hard to know the entire story every time you're about to start any sort of adventure or journey because uh, like you you take you kind of walk on uh, walk on a limb when you take these chances and you take new uh, risks and I don't know if I'd be able to look but the worst thing about it is looking back hindsight's always twenty twenty like oh if I would have known this I would have done that would have done that but no I still think with the information that I have prior to an event uh, I try to get as much possible as much information as possible before I start like a new journey yeah so do you have any advice like for people that are trying to make like especially our age we're we're to the age of i'm 21 you're 24 we're making big life decisions now these are big commitments that we may be weighing over our head for do you have any kind of advice um just from like your personal experience that hey knowing this going in was 
kind of a good way to, to navigate this or like, mm-hmm. here's definitely don't, don't do this. Is there any kind of advice for like stepping into those big commitments? Yeah. I would say first and foremost is your ability to manage stress and your ability to handle difficult situations, stressful situations. Like uh, if you are truly uh, able to be like in control of your own emotions and you can realize what I, I can only worry about what I can control. I can't control, I shouldn't worry about it. Um, and one of the most wonderful things I think it, that I've been able to do is if something's really stressful, I'm able to handle myself properly to handle it out. So any advice for someone else, if you handle things uh, as appropriately as possible, like remember things could always be so much worse. And I hate to use this typical example of kids in Africa, but it's so true though. Like your life could be so much worse than it is. It makes it, makes it seems like these first world problems are like non-existent. And I think if you keep that in perspective of like someone else out there has so much worse than me, or like, for example, like you hear stories of past family members, of people that have gone through things. You're like, Oh my God, I don't even know if I'd be able to make it through that. Yeah. So I just think stress management is, uh, is okay. a huge thing. Well, you, de- you definitely said something that I want to expand on um, about the whole like first world problems, not seeming like they exist, but we'll come back to that. I want to ask you first, since you said stress management, is there any way that in particular that you found help, helped you manage stress the most? Like in your most stressful situations, you're like, this is definitely what helped mediate this the most. Yeah, a few things. Uh, first one is I only, I try to, to the best of my ability, only worry about things that I can control. If I can't control it, like I cannot control what you're going to do today. Yeah. So I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Um, that and... I feel like I've lived lived or spent a lot of time with people that do not handle stress well. And I was like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to do this. And it's embarrassing for me and everyone else around when people don't handle stress properly. And they do something or say something that they really shouldn't have said. Certainly, yeah. So that's what I think, yeah, just being able to handle your stress and also like seeing and the people you surround yourself with, uh, like I feel like help develop you into that person. And so the whole thing of nature versus nurture and how you come up and how you naturally are. Yeah. So I think hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. So like, would you say there's like certain exercises that you do like mentally to help you kind of get over it or kind of like, I guess, minimize it? Cause I think some people that don't handle stress very well, they don't do mental exercises. They very much so let it get to them. And, and that's where it, comes into the the arena like you said where they say and do stuff that they necessarily don't mean just because they're stressed and it's because they're really letting it get to them and maybe they they could do things to minimize it or just tell themselves like hey this really isn't as bad as i think it is it's just like pressure either that i'm putting on myself or from other people that doesn't matter is there anything specifically that you you like noticed like when you tell yourself this dialogue yeah it really helped uh i just think when i am in a situation like truly look at it from an outside point of view uh look at it from all assets uh like i don't want to use an argument like yeah just like when you're doing anything if you could look back on your life and be like how would people look at this how would i look at this uh if you're in an art if let's just say you're in an argument and you truly like take yourself out of the equation like a truly neutral third party and look at both sides and like how they each came to that conclusion. And then who was probably in the right and who was in the wrong. I think personally, my mental exercise is looking out, taking a step outside and looking into the situation and taking a look, removing myself from the situation. If that, if that answers it, 
Yeah, yeah. Trying your best to remove yourself from the situation. That's and then, good. And then look at it and like look at it. It's like what could have been done differently, what could have done right. And I just think really analyzing a situation before you make an action, I think helps. I do. Okay. So what would you say to people that overanalyze? Overanalyze. Don't worry about things that are not in your control. Okay. That would be my biggest thing. I, I had a roommate one time, wonderful guy, but like he would overanalyze things to the point where he, he would literally lose sleep. And I was like, but he would be overanalyzing the way other people feel about him. And I was like, but you can't control that. All you can do is control how you act. Exactly. So I just, to me, that was like a waste of time. Yes. Yes. See, that's interesting that you say that because to me, I very much so, I agree with what you're saying, but I've definitely been in that situation of, I get stuck on how do certain people think of me. And it's not everybody. There's a lot of people I'm like, I could care less what you think of me, but it's very specific people. And I get stuck fixating on that. And I think a lot of people kind of have these things where they'll get fixated, not on everything, but on very, very particular things. Like there's very certain like touch points that when you strike that chord with them, they're stuck and they're stuck for a long time. But if you don't touch that chord, they're good. It seems like they're just invincible. (laughs) And I think that's something that's really kind of interesting about our generation because not a lot of people that I know of, granted, I don't know that many people that are like older, but I feel like the older generations really aren't like that. You know, like you can tell when something is building up and like, okay, they're about to explode. Like something, they're They're about about to to go off. Yeah, they're about to snap something, right? But with our generation, you really can't tell. It's, they'll be smiling one minute and then you say one thing and their face just drops and just craziness. Yeah, Yeah, it's just one little thing. But you mentioned earlier about like, you care about what certain people think of you. And I think that is huge. because I, I do think if you like to be really happy, you shouldn't worry about what people think of you or what your actions do. Like if this makes you happy, obviously if you're not doing harm to yourself or others. Exactly. Like if it makes you happy, you should do it. And I, I, and I think I don't care to a fault. To a fault. To okay. a fault. Like I'll wear something so stupid because I just don't care what people think of me. Yeah. I can relate to that to a certain extent. I have on and off days. There's days where I'm like, I care about every single little thing I do. And I'm very particular about what it, what I wear, how I act, how I talk. But then there's Those other days. Those are all things that you can control. They are. But then there's some days where I'm like, it's a get it done day. I'm showing up to the gym to get it done. And, you know, I try to strive for excellence doing it anyways. But it's still like, a all right, I'm tired. I got to get this done. I got to get stuff done when I get home too. Like. It's just a, a get it done and get a good night rest and wake up tomorrow. And you, that goes to show when we left here, most definitely, I'm getting this done. <laughs> and I'm there, I'm like, I just don't want to be fat. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can definitely tell. There's, there's levels to the game. And one thing I have noticed, we have three different levels of people working out. Because it's me, you, and then our, our two other buddies who are a little bit more um, – I would say they're the brand new at uh, at lifting. They're as close to brand new as it gets, yeah. I mean, they've done it, like, in the summer, like, but just in the summer, you know, for the last couple summers. So they know a little bit, but they don't really know proper form or anything, like, because nobody showed them. And then there's you that you're like, well, I'm a retired athlete, so that's, like, the next step up. 
but then there's me and I'm like, oh, I did private training, like all this. I take it super seriously. And I feel like I'm sometimes I'm just on another world compared to you guys. So just let me like ask you this though. What... With the way I'm treating it, like not like in a, in a bad way, but just like I'm doing this and you guys are like, okay, that's a bit extra. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's extra. I just think uh, you, you have like a desired goal in mind. And that was my next question to you like, a year from now or two years from now, are you hoping to be able to do some sort of competition again? Or are you just trying to get your body to look as great as possible? Or are you just trying to be able to be in the best control of your body as possible? Yeah, so um, that's a good question because really I didn't know what to do. So um, a little backstory about me. I, I used to wrestle uh, at Kent State, so Division One college wrestling, which is very, very hard, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I ended up retiring because I just couldn't take it. I had some some injuries and, uh, you know, everything else in the world was going on. And I was just like, you know what? I don't have the fire to do this anymore. I'm not the competitor I used to be. And at that level, you're just begging to get injured if you're not oh, like yes. that all the time. Some people tear your head off. Absolutely. You could be fourth string backup. It doesn't matter. You need to have that mentality. Like, I'm going to kill somebody today. Yeah. And I just didn't have it. And I was like, you know what? I'm cool with just sitting at home and – relaxing <laughs> like i'm cool i don't have to move off the couch for six hours like <laughs> like literally and that's what i did for like six months and i think it was just my body needed the rest but more so my mind right and um i talk a lot about like mental health because i was like struggling with depression and stuff um but some people they they look at depression like it's just your body saying like hey i need some deep rest like that's what de- if you break depressed down it's it's deep rest that's what i need and i need you feel like you got that so that's the thing is I didn't know how to get that. Okay. So this is really where like I was struggling with some addictions and just a whole bunch of other mental things too um, that, that all kind of came into play. So it was kind of just a, uh, the perfect storm of everything that could happen. And it was it was years of buildup that got to this point. But it kind of led me to the, to this idea of, okay, I need to get back to what I was so that I don't drink myself into a coma, pretty much, is what I, I was like, I need to stop doing this. I need to stop with all these negative habits that I have because I'm kind of just harming myself. And nothing, Shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, nothing good is coming from it. So I was like, okay, let's get back to lifting. And I was like, this summer, I want to I get really back into it. I attempted to uh, a little bit, and then I kind of faded because I was like, I'm going to wake up at 6.30 and do it. And – didn't happen. I was just like so early. Six thirty turned into I'm sleeping until like ten thirty every day. Like, no, nah, it's not happening. But that was me knowing my body is I hate waking up early. So I'm not gonna learn I'm not gonna work out early now, right? Mm-hmm. I'll wake up at nine thirty, ten, and I'll stay up till two AM and like get a workout in, like fit it in and like this is it. This is the set schedule. And one thing I like about working out with the guys now is that they have a set schedule of when they get off work and they want to get it done and then go home. So yeah. it kind of forces me to stay in that restraint of here's the time I'm working out. That's set. We're going and we're working out. And when they're there, they, all right, it's however long the workout is, cool. But after that, they're done. They go home. And then it's like, okay, I can turn my brain off from this now, refocus on other goals. Like, for example, at that point, you and I, like, do a decompress in the sauna. Yeah. And like a cool down, it's, mm-hmm. which is unbelievably, I love that thing. We were in there today for like 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. 
But oh, to actually answer your question though, I said <laughs> all that and didn't even answer the question. I took all of that going into this summer with the point of I want to be as fit and healthy as possible so that I can move with my body pain free. Because after years of wrestling, you know that's <laughs> never a given, right? So I want to move pain free. I want to focus on like strength and mobility. And I've done all these things. So I, I, I feel way stronger than I ever have. I feel way healthier than I ever have. I can move better than I ever have. Um, and I'm still working on it. Like I still have goals to be even more flexible than I, than I am now. Um, so I, I've, I feel really good about that. But then once I got back into it, the competitive fire kind of lit. Ah. And we talked about it that one day in the sauna where I kind of got mad that the other guys weren't taking it seriously enough. I was like, dude, this switch kind of flipped in my brain of like, now I'm training with the mindset like I am going to compete, even though I have no intentions of competing. Because I think you need to be a competitor in life. Like not, not necessarily, all right, yeah, you're lifting like a bodybuilder to go compete against bodybuilders. No, I mean, I'm 5'3". I'm not going to do that. And I have no interest in doing that. I would need to take steroids or something. <laughs> I wouldn't look like that. He wouldn't right? be able to fit the doorway. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> right. But that's, that's not something I have an interest in doing, but I like training the way that they train because they take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. And there are certain parts of my body when I'm just looking at it, like, okay, yeah, I want a bigger chest. Well, how do they train chest? Right. They really just focus on get this muscle as big and looking as good as possible. So like, okay, let me adapt some of that because that's what I want. I want to be fit and do all that stuff so I can take all the all the knowledge I know from my private training and adapt it and then also add this little bit in here. All right, bigger chest, bigger back, right? Get the, get the peaks on the bicep so I can kind of sculpt myself to be exactly what I want to look like while also approaching it with that competitor mindset. Would you ever want to go back to that private training? Um, I just have no reason to really there's no reason to i mean it was really expensive and if i'm not competing for anything there's no reason to um i wouldn't mind opening up a gym one day just to have mainly for my own personal use (laughs) you know and then hey let's make money on it just so it's not me just tanking however much it costs to run the thing but um yeah i i love the idea of like personal training and helping people reach their their fitness goals because with fitness especially I think it really helps you set a precedent for your life because you're able to break everything down into such little pieces and they don't all look like they connect at first and you're like how does this how does this relate like how does how does breathing how's a breathing exercise going to help me on squats and then you get under the bar and you do a heavy squat for the first time you're like Okay, I'm gonna breathe. Yeah, you know, and you pass out. I've most definitely Absolutely. done that lifting. Yeah, and you connect dots, and I—that's kind of how I look at life. Is I can break it up into little pieces, and then connect the dots later. And you kind of have to just like Steve Jobs said, you kind of just have to trust that the dots will connect in your future. And as long as you're doing the right things and working hard, right? As long as you're doing what you love. That that's, too. That's yeah, that the too. important thing: is do what you love and trust that it will connect in your future. Because not everything looks like it is gonna work out but then sometimes you just trust in whatever faith god the universe whatever it is and i think just having that trust and that faith that everything works out 
kind of just gives you the good energy to have things come your way. Would you say that also builds off being like confident in yourself? Um, definitely. Yeah, I, I think you definitely need to have confidence in yourself. Um, I don't think people have enough confidence in themselves these days. I could not agree more. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because of social media, but I don't think it's in the way that people realize. Explain all that. So I watch a ton of, I, I watch a ton of stuff on YouTube, uh, you know, watching podcasts, whatever. Um, and a lot of people, so there's this one guy specifically um, that he's mentioned uh, about millennials. I think he does like consulting work. So he'll go to businesses and like help them with like, hey, here's how we should treat people to better improve our workplace kind of communication and quality and all that all that good stuff. So it's super fascinating to me. And he, he says, everywhere I go, I always get asked the millennial question. And he said, the millennials seem to be this group of people that are hard to manage because they seem so joyless and unfulfilled with their work. And, you know, so they're like, oh, well, let's, let's ask them what they want. And so they ask the millennials what they want. And they're like, Oh, we want a place with purpose. And they're like, Oh, that's great. You know, and they're like, Oh, we want to leave an impact. They're like, okay, that's cool. You know, whatever that means. Like, <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah. And then they're like, and we want free food and beanbags. They're like, oh, great. We'll get them free food and beanbags. Uh, we, we come up with this imaginary, Oh, here's our purpose. And, but they still, they still aren't satisfied. And so he kind of was like, you know, social media is taken away that aspect of the small things matter it's the small grind the meandering like a river it slowly eats away at the dirt until it creates its own path and then you come back 10 years later and you're like oh this is an amazing river right and he said social media with the instant gratification kind of takes that away from people um and he he he, um used the perfect example he said how do you know that you're in love with your wife. And the guy he was talking to, he was like, oh, you know, I don't know. He's like, it's a hard question, right? It's an impossible question to answer. Like, tell me the exact moment you're like, I know I love her. It's impossible to answer. You don't know. And it's not the fact that you like remembered her birthday or something stupid like that, right? But it's the fact that you did something consistently. It's, I got her flowers when she didn't ask. I helped her do the dishes when I know she had a rough day or something, right? Or I just left her alone to decompress after a hard day of work. Or she's just complaining about something going on. I just sat there and listened. That's it. And you're showing effort. Yes, you're showing effort. And it's it's little things like before I turned to my phone in the morning, I turned to my wife and said good morning. Oh. And we talk, right? It's little things like that that say, hey, this person's here for me. I love them for that, Right. Um, but a lot, a lot of people going back to the social media, um, problem is I think a lot of older people look at it like, oh yeah, it's instant gratification, which is definitely a problem. But they also think it's, um, the fact that, um, what was I going to say? I think it's the fact that we, we can say anything just through the screen and we don't need to build that personal confidence of saying something to someone's face i agree right because it's so much easier to just type it on a keyboard and hit send right it's like sending someone a paragraph (laughs) exactly right and you could you could spill your heart out but when it comes time to actually do that you're like 
I choke up on my words, right? It's we need to understand how do you properly communicate with a person, like an actual person, like face to face, because it's a very different. It's much very different. different but game. I, I think you would agree with me that like when you talk to them, it goes better than you thought it would because you. I think both people are actually able to clearly express themselves. I think it has the potential to either go better or worse. Yeah, true. It can always go worse. <laughs> That's not a question. Yes. Because I think over text, to a certain extent, it can only get so bad, right? There's only so many wrong ways to take something or so many bad things you can say. But when you truly express, like, distaste for somebody in person, that hurts, you know? But when you express love to somebody in person, you feel it a lot more, right? You can just – because you can take everything in. You can take their facial expressions, their body language, things like their eye contact, their tone of voice, how they say everything to you and how they feel saying it. Like you can see their feeling when they're saying it, and that carries a whole lot more weight. It kind of appeals to your sense of humanity a lot more. No, I think so. No, I agree, especially when you're face-to-face. Uh, but you mentioned earlier about like you think like kids' ability to communicate now are not as great as they used to be. And I, I do agree with that completely because I just feel like now kids are so shy and then they don't have such a great ability to communicate because they're always staring behind a screen. Like I, I just feel like nowadays like you can't talk for, just, for a younger kid. Like you, it's really difficult to talk to a younger kid. Yeah, because they're just so unbelievably shy and they don't know how to talk unless you're te- texting them. Exactly. Yeah. You ever have someone text you on the same house? Yeah. Like, My mom does that to me, yeah. and I literally respond like I'm not going to respond if we're in the same house. No, no. Well, I don't respond just because I'm like, why are you texting me? Like, <laughs> I get annoying. I'm like, all right, they like I'm busy doing something or anything. But no, that's a good point. Um, I think it's a really weird time to be alive because we are the most connected we've ever been but at the same time the least connected the least yeah the most the disconnected yes because there's a disconnect in the way we communicate there's a disconnect in the way that people feel about any number of things whether it's just certain topics if we're talking politics or whether it's just how people view certain situations happening that all kind of happen in our life right there's so much interpretation in life and we're so connected in the sense that anybody can post on anybody's story and you can see some model from across the world and, oh, like her picture, no problem, right? I mean, you can look up anybody on the internet, but you can't talk to somebody face-to-face and tell them how you really feel, right? And, like, that's a skill that you need to get – you need to be bad at before you get good at Do you think we should do, like, some sort of, like – like, in schools make it mandatory to have, like, some sort of psychological experience, like, regular topic that's difficult to talk about? And it doesn't have to be like a polarizing one, but it's like one that's like hard. For example, like uh, there's the thing where like one person's laying on a train track over here and there's five people laying on a train track over here. Which one do you take out? Like the train's not going to stop. That's just ethics. It's ethics, right? So, but I think it would be a great idea if in schools, like they had made kids have these conversations, like give them difficult uh, topics and when there's no right or wrong answer. The only thing that I have against that is kids don't get involved. And I think the reason they don't is because they don't care. They don't <laughs> care to get involved. Because it's hard. how are you going to get a kid to participate in something like that when it's like 
eh, I, I'll just go home and do the same thing I'm doing anyways, right? Like, who cares? It's just another day I'm getting through it. Cool. There's an angle in sight. If I just have to, they'll do whatever, right? It's like if uh, Coke and Pepsi both paid you and the, someone's like, well, which is better? Eh, whoever paid me the most recently. <laughs> That's how kids are though these days. Um, so I feel like it's more of a, a thing that parents need to do. Like parents need to instill in their kids. Um, and I think a big part of what makes our generation what it is, is there's a lot of failed parenting strategies that went on. And I think it's just because of a combination of all of these things happening, like social media taking off, the internet taking off, um, and just generally like things that went on in the world that inf- impacted how our parents were raised. There was a disconnect f- from them to us somewhere along the line. Because I, I see this not just with myself, but more and more with other people too, is that there's a very big disconnect between them and their parents. And it causes a lot of friction and stress in their relationships. And like not all my friends, but definitely some of my closer ones, they have very weird dynamics with their parents. With their parents? Very, yes. It's very, very interesting. And it's kind of like, where where did this come from? Like, why are there all these kids that are dealing with this stuff? Now, uh, like, one of the dynamics that I thought was strange was I had a buddy who was one of my uh, best friends, is one of my best friends, and his mother, uh, when he was in college, just moved to Florida. And his mom was, like, the main like the main deal in this family. And I was just so shocked because like, I don't think I ever had a moment in my life where my mom or parent or whatever was like, I'm just going to leave for – I'm going to move away. And I'm still going to be in your life, and I still love you, but – it was the the fa- the family dynamic. To your point, was very strange, and I had never seen a family dynamic like that before. Where the mom just goes, "Peace," but I still love you. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in your life, but I'm gonna head out to Florida. Yeah, she just hated the weather here or something. I guess so. I <laughs> yeah. thought there was more money or something. Yeah, that's I've never heard of that either. That's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that's that is weird. That confuses me. Cause I yeah I I've heard a lot of crazy things. That's like, oh, not a level of crazy though. That's just weird. That is because she still wants to be involved. She still loves him, but she's like, I'm gonna move to Florida. <laughs> yeah, like I just hate the weather here or something. <laughs> but she didn't bring him with her or something. No. So my buddy was like, he was my roommate in college. Oh, he was in college. Yeah, he was in college. But okay, still, but still, like, that makes a little more sense. I guess it does, but still, like to me, that still blew my mind that she was like, okay. I'm moving away. No, that makes more sense now that you said that mm-hmm. he was in college. I thought he was like, eight years old or something like. <laughs> See, you're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think our parents really just didn't know how to handle us. Truthfully. Well, there's no. My dad always says there's no rule book to being a parent. There's not. But I think so. Like I said, with with the whole thing of the internet and social media coming up, that definitely had an impact. I think that had an impact later, though. I think the main thing with the way that they parent is um, I think a lot of them just weren't ready because they had us really young. That's often a factor in it. And then I also think that with their generation, that's when the whole societal morals kind of shifted. And I think now what their morals are versus what our generation's morals are is starkly different um and i would argue that our generation almost doesn't have any set morals and that's why we're so polarized these days in anything right whether it's 
politics, life, just views on a variety of topics. It's always like it's right or left, white or black, like up or down. It's like it's crazy. It's like, why do we need to be so polarized? Where's the middle point? We can't all agree on one thing. Like, this is the morals. This is who we are as a nation. Is that like what's Americans. most morally the right choice? Or just here's here's who we are. Like, this is when you come to America, you know, this is America. Not so much anymore. Like, if you go to other countries, it's still like that. It's like, you know, when you're in France, they're like, this is France. This is what we do here. We're French, right? Same with <laughs> Italy. Right, <laughs> they're Italians, you know. <laughs> they're eating pizza yeah. and pasta from breakfast, but not here. You come here, and it's like you go to California. You're like, Whoa, what? It's a whole different. It's a whole different what is mindset. This? And you go to Texas and Florida. You're like, this is the exact opposite, <laughs> right? And then it's just this middle part of the country that nobody knows what even goes on there, and right. And then there's the Midwest, and it's just like everything is its own thing, which is interesting and entertaining, but also makes it very hard when problems arise to yeah. fix it and it's also that sometimes you can't communicate that well and to your point earlier not being able to have that face-to-face conversation to be able to communicate like if people are just going on their phone all day and saying what they think but not actually hearing the other side i think that is uh, i think that is the greatest way you can grow both like uh socially and emotionally yeah so one thing i really picked up in college is people did not know how to do that and I definitely had an edge on them. Um, not even just politics, just like emotions too. Like talking about anything that's like, this is a tough topic to talk about. They didn't know how to sit there and go, okay, hang on. I want to sculpt this in a way that it doesn't offend you, but I'm still getting my point across. Yeah. Right? Like there's ways you can say things that you're doing it just to aggravate somebody. Presentations, right? everything. Yeah. But then there's a way you can say it where it aggravates them a little bit and you can say, now we have something. You're a little aggravated based on what I said. Why do you feel that way? And extend it, right? And I think you can do the same with um, like mental health stuff too. Like if you just randomly get mad at stuff, I think that's your body saying this is a trigger to something that is a deep-rooted problem that you need to fix. That's your body literally saying, hey, listen to me. I'm telling you what's wrong. Right. Yeah. And people don't look at it like that. They look at it like, oh, this is what I do. I have anxiety. Like, so, no, your body's telling you what's making it, what what is making it anxious. And it's telling you, listen to me, fix it. Like, it's too much stress on the nervous system. And do do you think anxiety is another great example? Like, I don't think people, at least our generation, handle that well. I used to live with a, group of girls they were very nice but like genuinely they use the word anxiety as an excuse for everything to not get work done to not be it's a better person or not do anything i just it crippled me to like even think about having that mindset and i like a level even deeper and i would love to hear what you think about this i think like it socially a big root of all social problems is insecurities and I just think that's like so how people interact like socially, and if like there's any problems that arise, I think they are can be insecure about something deep down. So, I would agree agree with you that a lot of life is insecurities. Um, I think a big problem these days is not anxiety itself; it's people need to detach themselves and not say I have anxiety, but say I'm anxious. 
Yeah. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Anybody can be anxious. Not everybody has anxiety. Uh, and I think I have a very nuanced view of this. And I also have very little tolerance for people that do what you said. Like, oh, I have anxiety. I can't get this done. Yeah. I have very little tolerance for that. I agree. Because I, tolerance either. I did struggle a lot with anxiety. But it was very specific of I knew exactly what I was anxious about. And I had an entire understanding of why I feel that way about this thing and how I came to feel that way. Um, but I still got through it. Like I still did the thing that made me anxious anyways, right? Like I got very anxious with relationships, especially around girls, romantic relationships. Romantic, but you still went through though. You didn't stop you from making exactly. decisions. It didn't stop me because you can't be paralyzed in life. Cannot be. And I'm like, if you're just sitting there saying, I have anxiety, I can't do this. One, you're limiting yourself. That's a limiting belief. And if you believe you can't do something, you're right. You can't do it, right? You can't, you're right. Yeah. If you believe you can, you're right too. You can do it. Like people need to stop limiting themselves. Um, but they also need to stop throwing it around. Like it's such a easy thing. Yeah. And like, I think it, it's everybody has anxiety. Everybody has depression. No. Yeah. And no. Yes. Yes. You don't. I was, literally <laughs> that's my next point. Exactly. People throw around the word anxiety so much to the point yeah. that everyone has it. And I do think social media does a, does not help with that because there's constantly like uh, TikToks or like the Instagram videos, reels, where they talk about anxiety. And I think that is just like constantly seeping into people's mind. They're like, oh, this person has anxiety. They talk about it this much. I must have it too. It's like, well, no, you just feel anxious about certain things. It doesn't necessarily mean you have anxiety. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think there's a big um, self-diagnosis going on. Uh, where people will see, be like, oh, I have some of these symptoms. I probably have this. And it's like, no, you're a normal person that feels things. <laughs> right? I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. You're a normal person that feels things. And you're going through a stressful time. And you're like, 13 to 26 is not supposed to be easy years. Right. First, you have your body changing. So all sorts of hormones just messing you up. Right. Mm -hmm. And then especially for men growing up, coming of age, like I need to be a man. I need to grow up, be responsible, make my own decisions. That comes with a whole host of other issues and stress. Right. Then or, out of nowhere, you're just constantly ready to fight somebody. You're yeah. Like, Why? <laughs> out of nowhere. Right. And it's just hormones and, and all these other things that are going on. It's not easy. No one ever said it would be. Yeah. You know? And people want everything to be easy in life. And it's like, first off, if it's easy, then it's not really worth anything, right? If anybody can get it, that's number one. But number two, it's like, why do you expect it to be easy when this is supposed to be the most stressful part of your life? Like, this is the pressure that makes you who you are. Yeah. And pressure makes diamonds, baby. Yeah. And people want to like take off the pressure. That's like when, when you're repping out in the gym and you're like, all right, take some plates off. And then you just stop repping them out. It's you're doing just fine with the other weight. Why are you going down? Yeah, you're going right. Down. Like you want to take, people want to take pressure off themselves. And it's like, you're purposely hindering yourself. Like you're, you're not, you're capping your potential because you're not willing to just say, Hey, this is a hard time. Like I'll get through this. And it's not, I have depression, I have anxiety, it's I'm feeling depressed because of this, or I'm feeling anxious because of this. And these are very easy things to, once you shift that mindset, 
you can say, now I know how to address these things. And once I get rid of those, your anxiety is gone. Your depression is gone. Uh, yeah. So, so many people, and you'd be surprised like how easy that change really is. It's just getting that over, getting over that initial barrier. And it, yeah, I love, I love that what you said that there, there is a, the co-writer on the Chappelle show. I cannot remember his name right now, but he's been very open that he has horrible depression and he's got anxiety and all these things, but he said, it never stopped from working. I pushed myself. I didn't use it as an excuse. Exactly. And I still got great things done. And I was a co-writer on the Chappelle show and I made millions of dollars doing it. And I think that's the main difference between people who actually struggle versus people who think they struggle. Because I think if, first off, if it's in your head, that's your reality, whether it's true or not, that is what your reality is. Yeah, that's what you think. Right. But you have the ability to change that. So I think a lot of people, they just don't realize you can change it, right? They, they don't realize that, hey, I don't have to be this or and I don't have to do that. I can be whoever I want to be and do whatever I want to do. And I think that's more freeing Yeah. when you think like that. Maybe some people don't think that, in which case, I don't know why. I would, I would have to talk to them and be like, why? how do you not feel more free knowing you can do whatever you want? But And that's why you yeah. have a podcast. Can you bring people like that on? Absolutely. I would love to. I've noticed it a lot in college. Really, once I go back to college, I will be really excited to interview some people because there's a lot of people that think very differently from me, just about life in general. And I think I'm definitely um, different. <laughs> just well, do different. You think, do you feel like you enjoy these conversations because like, they're eye-opening? It's like I might not agree with what you said, but I do understand how you got to that conclusion. And like I appreciate you saying this because like it opened my mind up a little more. It's like – to have a counter argument for like any situation so truthfully uh i don't yes, truthfully, I, don't, truthfully. I don't view it as eye-opening for me um just because of the way i approach life i think it's easy to make excuses for yourself in a lot of things and i, I maybe this is a problem with me going in but i i just view these people as making uh excuses for a lot of the things they do um and sometimes it's not necessarily an excuse but it's like, okay, well, maybe it's not an, an excuse. Maybe it's a legitimate reason why you can't get something done. But the world doesn't care. No, the world does not. You know, it's like you still need to get it done. And I think, especially as a man, you're expected to do it regardless. And while it sucks while you're doing it, I think it definitely makes you who you are. And it makes you able to handle things like stress better, which just ultimately makes your life better. And I think we got so used to um, or, or we've kind of normalized this idea in our generation that we can just tell people, Hey, if you don't feel like it, you don't have to. And I think that's the big problem is that these, all these people, they are capable of more and they can do more and they, they can push past all this stuff. They just don't believe they can. So they choose not to. Yeah. There's uh, I would say there's not an equal amount of effort in society. Like when someone complains that they're not doing more successfully, uh, yeah, to your point, I think there's not an equal amount of effort going all the way around. Um, but earlier we mentioned that you wanted to talk about like drugs and society. And I you... do, because I think drugs play into this. And so, okay, so um, I have done drugs, but the way that I do it is different than other people. And I think that's largely because of how I was introduced to it before I did it. 
um, specifically with weed. One of my buddies told me, he said, hey, um, you actually, this wasn't with weed. This was with alcohol. But I took it more with weed, which is weird. He said, before I drank, he was like, um, you've never had your mind altered. He's like, so you only know what sober you thinks. But you don't know how drunk you or high you thinks. And those are kind of like different parts of your personality that you have to unlock. Wow. And, yeah. And until you know that, you don't really have a whole view of yourself. He didn't He didn't quite say all that. That's kind of what I interpreted out of what he said, though. And I was like, that's a good point. But like normally you say things better than I think it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay. So I got – so, you know, I started drinking. I was like, okay, so this is how drunk me is, right? And then as I drank more, I really got to know here's – exactly how i am on different levels right there's different levels of it and it depends on what i drank how much i drank how fast what the night is who i'm around like all these factors right and now i know that to a t um and i can manage that and it's important to know that hey these are things that it kind of brings out of you like it brings out some things that i didn't know i had wrong with me and i'm like cool now i can fix that i didn't know that right and weed helped me to make those connections like connect dots that you didn't know needed connected wow that's huge because it says that weed like um if you have any problems that you bring to the back of your head like people most definitely say that when they smoke weed like it brings a problem straight to the front of their mind and some people hate that some people love that like some people if they're trying to bury a memory and it brings up to the front they hate it but other people like i i'm happy this brought up to the front because it seems i need to deal with it yeah and that's what, yeah. uh, for example, Joe, shout out Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan always <laughs> talks about that. He says he loves like just getting high and thinking to himself, thinking about what's bothering him and getting into the like the deep cracks of his brain. Yeah, figuring out well, how he thinks about things, what's bothering him, or how can I fix something. So here's what I don't like is when people do drugs too often for no point. Yeah, because I very much should take a more spiritual approach approach with it in the sense that. Hey, we're setting the tone. This is what we're doing. Um, it's kind of like a like a ritual, you know. Like, all right, here's how we're gonna do it. Here's the purpose of, and the function that we're trying to get out of this experience. It's an experience. It's not just, yo, I woke up. Let me let me smoke some and then go do whatever. Come back, eat some food, smoke, and yeah. And then you're just sitting around. You're like, oh yeah, I like smoke three times a day. I'm like, that's not. For what? Like for what? Did for you accomplish what? anything today? You accomplished nothing. You're just increasing your tolerance and ultimately spending more money. <laughs> right? So it kind of takes away the potency of it and the purpose of what it what it does. And then people start relying on it. And they're like, I need to be high all the time. <laughs> and you right? mentioned spending money. Doesn't it blow your mind when people tell you how much money they spend on it? I don't even ask. Oh I don't even want to know. It, <laughs> my jaw has dropped. Like in college, I, do, I had like no money in college. Well, people would tell me how much money they spend a week on pot, like hundreds of like a hundred dollars a week. Yeah, I'd just be like, oh my god, a hundred dollars a week. Like, what could you be doing with that? <laughs> you saw, like in a month, you could have. Oh, dude, like it just it blew my mind how much money people would spend on drugs, and I was like, dude, you're wasting time, money, and your health. Absolutely, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but it also, but a cool thing that I have been, and there's a documentary on Netflix about mushrooms, which I honestly have never ever tried. Uh, but I, I would like to try them. 
it says like they literally create new pathways in your brain that were never connected before. They do. And yeah. I, also LSD oven tool does the same thing as well. And that like I don't want to be very careful how I say this, but I don't want to say interest me. But I would love to be able to like have a concrete fact sheet on how it changes your mind and what new pathways are created in your brain. Like for example, there was the, the, the document I was talking about on Netflix. There was a gentleman that had a horrible stuttering problem. And one day for the first time ever, he took a ton of mushrooms. Why he took a ton? I don't know why. And he also was in the woods for some whatever reason. <laughs> and during a storm too. But long story short. Yeah, man, get it fresh. <laughs> <laughs> long story short, after he took all these mushrooms, he literally stopped stuttering. Yeah. Which blew my mind. And there's also been uh, a lot of studies people with Parkinson's. That after they eat weed, uh, like an edible, they stop shaking. And that blows my mind. Like, could you imagine shaking all day? You can't even, God forbid you try to eat super cereal or popcorn. Yeah. Hey, you're screwed. Yeah. So I don't know as much about the whole weed thing. Um, the only explanation I have for that, and this is a totally unprofessional, <laughs> no research done on this, but... Just since we know weed kind of impairs you, I think the only way I can make sense for why it would do that for people with that particular disease is that their nervous system is being overloaded all the time from something. And it's something that is clearly genetic that we can't fix. So it's not like, oh, you can just change your mindset. But with weed, it will, it will, like the chemicals affect your brain. So whatever genetic thing is going on that your brain is telling your body to do it that becomes impaired so it stops when they're high and that's why they stop shaking that's what i kind of how i make sense of that i mean it's very possible to your point i've done no research on it either yeah <laughs> i mean i don't know I, I listen to like endocrinologists and stuff occasionally just because i'm so fascinated by that like how the body actually works how different hormones not only how they affect the body, but how they're transported in within the body, because that also has an impact. Like with testosterone, a lot of people say, I want to boost my testosterone. And it's like, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Because you have two types of testosterone in your body. A lot of people don't know this. You have free testosterone, which is just testosterone that exists that, you know, is made. And then you have more concentrated testosterone that is taken and put into your cells muscle development and things of that nature so it actually is being utilized right so it's bound up by other molecules to be utilized so a lot of people don't know that it's like well maybe you have plenty of free testosterone but you just have a dysfunction of the molecules that need to bind to it to carry it to the cells that it needs mm. right but if you don't know anything about endocrinology you would never know that yeah i didn't even know the word endocrinology existed before today <laughs> Check, out Joe Rogan, Check out Joe Rogan. I will do. I yeah. love, love Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. His most recent guest, uh, his dude's name was Andrew. I don't know his last name, but he's an endocrinologist. He's been on a couple times. That's where I got it from. He's he's awesome. Um, Hopefully that didn't make it in. <laughs> We're gonna cut that out. We're gonna cut that no, out. we keep it in, baby. We're 51 minutes in. Fuck. We're keeping that in. <laughs> Dude, I'm so sorry. I was just be quiet. Hey, it don't matter. It's, oh god, that's it's natural, man. Natural. It's embarrassing. But yeah, I think that's so fascinating. I think people just don't take the time to sit and understand what life really is. I, I think that 
that is actually one of the biggest things with our generation is that why we're so kind of explosive and can't communicate with each other and polarized on everything is the fact that we read one thing and just go, oh my gosh, that's how it is. What the fuck? And we just go crazy. And it's like, well, hang on. Did you even check to make sure what that person said is correct? Because <laughs> one, oftentimes it's not. It's either not correct because it's just straight false or it's not the whole truth, which oftentimes changes what is actually being said. You know, so it's all these other things. And it's like, okay, you don't know the whole picture. So how are you going to have an opinion on this one little bit piece of it that you supposedly know and automatically act like you're an expert? Like, you're not. You don't know anything, right? And I don't walk around like I'm an expert, but I certainly walk around like I know more than you because I know I did more research than you did. I did the research for sure. I know I did. But you said like (laughs) – but you said said, uh, people don't think about life enough. They don't. But it's also like – I think it goes back to the question, like, what is the meaning of life? And people could argue about that all day long, but technically we don't really have an answer for that yet. Like, what is the point of us existing? What is the point? Um, I mean, I can answer that. I'm not sure it's necessarily – I think it's more so not that we don't know the meaning of life, but just the fact that people don't experience life enough is why we have that issue. But to answer your question, what the meaning of life is, I think everybody kind of had, I think the the thing that sets humans apart is the fact that we are aware of ourselves and we have consciousness, which allows us to pose questions like that in the first place. I truly don't believe in the vastness of the universe that there is a point to life. I just don't believe there really can be it because it's hard to say why, why are we here? What purpose do we serve? Right. But I think in our own individual lives, We have the power to not say what is my, like, we don't have to find our purpose. We can create our purpose. And I think that's what distinctly sets us apart from everything else on in the planet or in the world is that we can create our own purpose and live vicariously through that and be totally happy our entire lives. No, we can't create our own distance. It's the difference between us and animals. That's absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know but, um, yeah <laughs> did that one stump you <laughs> no it did no i i decided no i to your point i agree with you and then i didn't have a backup statement <laughs> okay <laughs> okay well yeah but we're kind of backtracking a little bit yeah i definitely think it's people don't experience life enough and it's not the fact that they don't get put in these situations it's the fact that i think they get we get put in plenty of situations we're just on autopilot you know, like going to school every day, going to class every day. Yeah, oh, we're doing the same, doing like, the same workout every day. How weird is it when you go and sit in a different spot than you don't usually do? Oh, it's mind blowing. And you know what I always do? I always turn around and look at other people, <laughs> and they're like, "You are so weird. What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm waiting for you to acknowledge me so I can talk to you." And they're like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, I want to talk to you. I want to get to know you. I mean, I got nothing else to do. I'm here for the next hour, so I'm gonna be for the next hour. I can't leave." He can't leave. Might as well know, know who's, who's sitting behind me. And they're like, what the fuck? Like, they're so weird. But I, that's just how I live my life. Like, I don't I don't care about their judgment, so I break the norm. And That's great that you don't care about judgment. Yeah. Like, I don't care about breaking the norms because I'm like, cool, whatever. Like, I just do me. That's then, awesome. But then that becomes the normal is like, that's just what he does. And, like, other people don't really play into it. And I'm like, I'm not on autopilot. I'm distinctly like here's 
like I, I'm trying to genuinely talk to somebody, get to know somebody. Like, hey, you'll you, maybe you'll be another person I see out at the bar or something, or I'll run into you, or maybe a couple of years down the line, like I remember you said this one thing one time, like, oh, that's awesome, you're super successful in that. Like, and you never must know. have a, to your point. You're not on the autopilot. You've constantly told me about the things that you have ideas about doing, and the places that you want to go, and the, the places that you want, to, the the person that you want to be when you're older. Yeah. And like, and you to me, it sounds like you have like a real clear determination. Like this is how I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna do. I don't know how I'm gonna do it yet, but this is what I want to do. Well, thank you. I appreciate. It. I I try very hard to to try to have that mindset. I think sometimes I just get overloaded focusing on too many things at once, and I sometimes need to take a step back and say, okay, this one or these one or two things are the priority right now. The other things I can focus on later after I get these things working. Mm-hmm. And do you think? But do you think at so, at some point you have to real, like? think but i'm still 22 and I, it is summer right now like i still gotta live the, the no summer. i never think like that never okay no so actually when i was getting ready to drop out of college and the first thing i said because i told my uh my one of my old best friend's parents because i was at his house and we were talking about it and then like his parents came home so we were talking to them and it came up and they were like dude you haven't even started your life yet i was like i'm 21 and i have no assets to my name no money i have n- so much more of my life to live i don't want to live it working no right and i'm like i'm already 21 and they're like you're already 21 like that's so young i was like not if i want to be retired by 25 it's not you know but people don't think like that it's if i can start my life at 25 and i'm retired and i'm a millionaire and i don't ever have to worry about working a job to make money I can go live and have amazing experiences, meet amazing people, go travel, travel the, the world, world, right? Do all these things that I want to do because to me, that's living. It's, I agree. it's, I need to explore. I need to have not a set schedule because I very much so like to just see where it goes. Now, right? but you mentioned like you want to experience the world. Like what, what are things that you want to do? What are things that you want to see that will make you feel like you've, been, you've experienced the world? That's a good question that I don't I don't quite have answered yet. Well, buddy, yeah, let me ask yeah. you this one more simply. Where, where are the places that you want to travel to? I would definitely like to travel to Italy and see that. Um, definitely just some like random islands that I probably don't even know about that are just like super nice, like honeymoon spots. Oh, yeah, just, the water is crystal clear blue. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'd um, love to have one of those islands. Be like, hey, it's my island. You want to go to my island today? Yeah, absolutely, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think for me, it's more so. It's for me, life and experiences in life is more about the people that you do it with rather than the things that you're doing. And it's great when you have memories to share with people, especially like your best friends. Yeah. So like, it could be something as simple as let's go to the boardwalk, play some stupid arcade games, get a six pack and go to the beach and just run in the water and, and do we'll... absolutely nothing all day. Like that's a day, right? Like that's, that's a cool. great day with your friends. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, what makes that so special? Well, it makes it special because I decided I'm going to get up and drive myself and my dog six hours to go meet up with my buddy who, and he's going to drive an hour and we're going to both meet at this beach. And we planned it entirely ourselves, entirely on our own finances when we've never done that before, it's a new like experience, a new adventure that it's like, 
I decided to do this 100% on my own and I did it. And no matter how shitty people think it is, like we could get all rained out on the beach and just end up in some like fast food store. That's a fucking memory for me. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I did it myself. I don't care what happens. Like I took the step to start the adventure. Whatever happens, it's going to be satisfying because (laughs) I, I did it myself, you know? And you're not going to let something like, for example, just like rain is your example. Like you're going to let that not. ruin your ne- You're not going to let that ruin your day. Well, I love rain anyways. Like I genuinely like walking in the rain. It's just nice. It kind of, a lot of people look at it as depressing. I kind of look at it like it, it just like washes away everything. You know, it's a, it's a nice restart. Like rain is the restart of life. Like that's how plants grow. Right. It is. Yeah. So I kind of look at it like, oh, I'm growing. I would love to have a porch like with a roof over it and my whenever I get a house one day so I can just sit outside during the rain. Yeah. I think that is the, like, the most relaxing thing ever. It is. One time I was at my uncle's house and there were, it was the 4th of July and we ran out of fireworks, but there was a lightning storm out. And it was like, it was far off in the distance and there was no rain, but it was lightning like crazy. And it was like we had a whole fireworks show, a heat lightning show. And, but like, we were able to do things like that because his, my uncle had a porch in the back of his house. And that's yeah. one thing I'd love to have and a mansion. Yeah. Going back to that whole meaning of life thing, I think that need for adventure, like some people just need that, you know? And that's why I think there's no uniform meaning because some people are totally cool with, hey, I have my nine to five job. i got my steady paychecks. I got kids. I can afford stuff. I got a dog. Cool. Like, that's my life. I'm totally happy with it. That's fine. They're cool just standing at a computer, yeah. not yeah. talking to nobody. Yeah. And I'm I'm not cool with that. No, I neither need, am I. I need more adventure. I need to be able to go, hey, I'm just going to buy a van, and I'm going to hit up every state in the United States and see, like, their key landmarks, maybe a couple. I don't know how long it's going to take me. I may be back in three years. I was about to say, it's going to be right? at least a few years. Yeah, yeah. All I, I'm going to just – one pair of shorts, one swim trunks, and some sandals. Right? <laughs> just go. And we're going, right? And I'm going to have like a Jeep with a tent on the top or something, right? And it's just, I just want that and then like one other person that like, all right, we can go share these experiences with. And that's cool. Like Our buddy Bracken did that. He did. He did it more to <laughs> find himself in life which I think can help. I won't, I more so want to do it just to experience everything that there is to offer. Yeah, that's you great. Know? I love that mentality. Yeah. You get the most out of life. Squeeze every last uh, bit of juice out of it you can. Like, how do you know you don't like something at a buffet until you try everything? Oh. Right? I like that. I like yeah, that it's like that. It's like, well, maybe there's somewhere else in the world that I like more than the U.S. And I don't know because I had only lived here. It's true. Like there's and to your, there's also so many places around the world that speak English. There are like South Africa. There's uh, England, Ireland, uh, New Zealand, Australia. Like there's so many places that speak yeah. English. I'm not that, sure about Australia, man. Some of the animals there. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Today, today I saw a video from Australia where the guy walked into this abandoned house and there was a whole, uh, wasp nest that was I would like to say at least seven to eight foot wide and like three foot deep okay oh it was on a wall like, and it blew my mind and the stuff like that always exists in australia yeah, no, spiders thank <laughs> no thank you just thinking about that makes me not want to go yeah yeah really i turn to stone when i see spiders 
Snakes I'm fine with, but if I see a spider, no matter how small it is, I turn to stone. No way, bro. I hate all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah. It's just kind of experiencing different cultures, too. And it makes you feel like uh, – go ahead. No, you finish this. I mean, I didn't really have much to say on that. Okay, but I, I do. like to, When you said experience different cultures, in, in a most wonderful way, it makes you feel insignificant. And I, and I, and I yeah. mean this in a, in a very positive way. No matter how crazy you think your life is or how crazy you think about a situation, like the other side of the world is like operating completely differently. And they have no knowledge of you of your life. And it's just a whole it, – it's a different world traveling to a different country. And it's an experience that I absolutely am addicted to. Like I think I'm addicted to traveling to someplace else where they think completely different than me. And I, they, they eat differently. They talk differently. And I, just, I would love to be able to go down and tour all South America and learn Spanish. And Yeah, oh God, now you just need the money to fund it. <laughs> yes, oh my God. I'm still doing anything short of selling my body online. <laughs> I'll sell feet pics if I have to. Oh, yeah, man. Somebody's got to be into hairy feet. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, that's something I've been struggling with a lot, too, is just the whole financial thing. Um. Because I, I very much so, the way I look at life, I approach finances the same way. Like, I'm really big into real estate. I don't know how much I've told you about it. I know yeah. I told you I'm getting my real estate license. But um, I'm really big. Like, I want to be an investor. And I want to retire off of that. And, like, have a huge net worth and all, th- all that stuff. But even before I got into real estate, I kind of told myself, I was like, I don't want to work a job. I don't want to sit at a desk all day. Like there has to be something else. Like I just, I, I knew there had to be something else out there. And then I discovered real estate and I was like, this is, this is it. Like I have the, it's the best investment possible. You can build your net worth, right? So you can be significant and like have influential power. Yeah. Um, which is something I, I would like to have so I can hopefully make a positive impact. Uh, and then you can also get cash flow so you can make, make money doing it. And then you also get tax incentives so you can take depreciation on that because it's an investment that the government wants to reward you for doing because they can't really do it themselves. Um, so the tax code is really a guide on what to put, where to put your money, mm-hmm. essentially. And I, I don't like giving my money away to the government. So I was like, those are that's it. This is perfect. This is what I need to do. But nobody else thinks like that. And to, to, in real estate, you would be able to have an education on – what markets are good and you could buy houses in those areas and that you could rent them out to people for all year long, especially like certain vacations places. Like you, you earlier, you mentioned you wanted to put a down payment on a house in Florida and rent it out to people. And that is such a great idea. Absolutely. And if I ever have enough money to do that, I would love to do that. And plus when someone's not renting it, you could stay there. Well, that's the thing is people think, Oh, I'll never have enough money, but you do. Like, how much is a down payment, right? Like, really? Even if you get a, a really expensive house, how much is a down payment? And then you say, okay, well, can I make the down payment less, right? Like, there's different kinds of loans and stuff. So it's like, okay, really, we, we can get it down. So I, I was crunching numbers yesterday, and it came out to about 50000 for a $250,000 property. That was, like, the low-end average for the city I was looking at in Florida. What city are we looking at, by the way? It was a uh, Cape Coral, I think, is how you say it. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Um, and the reason why I was looking there is because I literally just looked up some of the best like investment cities like for Airbnb. And it was like that in like Tennessee, Nashville, like all these places um, popped up. Uh, Destin, Florida was a big one. Just like big vacation spots that are also really affordable. So then I like was crunching numbers, taking average of all the Airbnb prices in like this little area and just kind of trying to figure out like what's a realistic expectation for this. And it basically came down to 50K. 50K is what I need for a down payment there. Um, Would you eventually want to build like an armada of houses? Eventually, I want to have around 60 Airbnbs. Oh my God, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Just Airbnbs. Yeah, yeah. And then I want to own around 20 to 25 apartment complexes. Um, And then go from there. Kind of see where that gets me and then go from there. Um, Eventually, my goal would be, you know, making over a million dollars a month. Dude, if you can make over a million dollars a month, I'll do anything you want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it really just, it gets easier as you go up is the thing. Because, like, to your point, you were like, oh, if I ever had enough money to do that, well, 50000 that's all you need. Because, like, after you, after I crunched the numbers, it was, like, 310 was the average um, price. For house owner? Yeah. Well, was the average, uh, like, night, like, rent per night, um, which I think is pretty low. You can probably do much higher. But I was like, okay, well, what if we just took that, the average price, 310 and we, like, said – it was rented out maybe like 23 nights of the of the month. So then that's a week of vacancies to account for like days for cleaning and just generally people not really renting it out, right? Yeah. It came out to about $10,000 or something like that before all the fees. And I think it was like seven to 8,000 after all the fees that I, that I included. I looked up like average mortgage rates and like how much it would do to have property management. So I don't ever have to see the property. They do everything. They get the tenants. They set the rents. If there's something wrong, they fix it. Right. Just completely automated. It came out to, I can make anywhere from 60 to 90,000 off of one property. Yeah. A year. That would be awesome. Right. On the low end. And some people rent it out for like 600, 700 a night. Right. So you could realistically make up to 120 to 150,000 off of one property. That's a, almost two more incomes for some people now what at what time do you think you want to be able to buy your first property like how many years from now in florida six months after i graduate oh my goodness good for six, you, man. six to nine months so my plan is to do a bunch of things like try to just grow a brand right now kind of sell some products on tiktok see if i can make a couple hundred here a couple hundred there maybe make money off of off of this. I mean, I, I do this cause I enjoy it, but you know, if I can get, make some money off it, just, that'd be great too. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, get a little bit of anything anywhere to build up to that. And then once I have a, a full-time job, cause I, I'm, I'm going to be employed right out of college regardless. It's just a matter of what am I doing? Um, so I was looking up like average salaries for new home sales consultants. Cause that's really what I want to do. Um, cause it's basically like being a real estate agent, but it's a lot more stable cause you get, the, the average salary base pay right out less than a year experience is $50,000. And then you get about an average of 22000 for commission as well on top of that. So that's like, all right, you're sitting in the model home. You're getting paid salary regardless. Whereas a real estate agent, you're not. 
it's kind of, all right, yeah, I can make a ton on commission. So maybe I make 50,000 in one month because I closed on three or four houses, but then maybe I don't sell a house for three months. And then, then you'd be in an absolute downfall. Right. But now, if this works out the way you say it is, and you're going to have all this money and you're going to need to get down to Florida often, would you like, would you think you want to get your Florida up? You think you would want to get your own private jet? I <laughs> get a private jet. I would get a private, I would want to get a private jet uh, eventually just to have one and be able to travel anywhere and say, Hey, I flew in, flew in on my private jet. I flew in on my private That's jet. It. It's like, yeah. Hey, you want to go have dinner in New York yeah. tonight? But like, I really don't, I wouldn't need to go down to Florida often. That would be the point of the property management. You're right. Is that way. Cause then, if you think about it, it would be impossible for me to do if I had 12 properties in Florida, seven in Tennessee, 10 in Phoenix, right? Like there's no way you could constantly be checking all, all those. So yeah. just say, okay, I'll cut a little bit of my profit. Let the property management do it. I'm totally cool with that. They take care of everything. Every issue that comes up, I don't have to hear about it. I don't have to see it. I don't have to set the rent or get the tenants in there. And so it's kind of a trust thing. Like, okay, Sure, maybe I want the rent to be a little bit higher, but they are going to the point of their job is to make both of you guys as much money as possible. So they're going to set the rent. If they set the rent a little lower than maybe what you want, they're going to say, okay, well, we're going to do this with the goal of getting more occupancy, right? So if you go a little bit lower rent, but more people renting on average, like per month, that's going to come out to more money. Whereas if you say just blindly, I want it to be this. And then nobody rents from you because it's way too high, you know. So they they they're professionals that are helping you guys both make more money, make more money in the process. Now, in a perfect world situation, if all this works out for you, like, what are some crazy like things that you'd like to purchase? Crazy things I like to purchase? Because obviously, I feel like you would like. All, I feel like you would like <laughs> get some crazy stuff. Yeah, I feel like you would like like multiple like you said all these houses. I feel like. You would want to have like great houses and destination locations. So, I would love to have some some properties to visit, but I don't want to have a concrete house until I have a wife and we have our life kind of put together of here's exactly what we want. Um, because having a house, it, a lot of people think it's an asset. It's not because it doesn't actively make you money. You only make money when you sell it. And obviously if you're gonna sell your house then you have nowhere to live. So it's really the biggest liability in your life is buying a home if you're not going to rent it out or make money on and it. It's big money. It's big money. So, and I wanna put a lot of money into my house cause I want a lot of very custom specialized features. I want a huge yard, right? Like I want it to be all decked out. So if I'm gonna spend all that money on it, I wanna make sure, hey, we're gonna have four rooms because we're gonna have four kids. And we kind of decided on that. If there's an accident oh okay we'll figure it out you know but it's not like okay i'm gonna we're gonna get this house and say we're, we're only gonna have two kids and then we're in it for five years and we're like you know what i think we want three and then uh, well maybe we want four and then we're just moving all around and also i i'm kind of nomadic i kind of don't want to just stay in one place you know so if like you want to travel yeah i want i want to travel and I want to just be able to travel whenever, kind of freely, because I want to stay connected with my family in Ohio, but I also want to say, well, I don't want to be in Ohio in the winter. I'll come up for Thanksgiving and Christmas. See, I'm going to Phoenix. 
Ah. <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to go to Phoenix and do whatever and live it up. And live my high life yeah, down there. Yeah, and then, oh, shoot, Christmas is coming up. Oh, traffic's going to be bad. Nope, not for me. Private jet. <laughs> you know, like, it's just the convenience of life kind of thing is really the motivation. It's just I want the freedom to do whatever. And, um, yeah, it's it's not a um, if everything plays out the way the way I say, well, it, it, it it's going to. It's like, going to because you have determination. You're like, nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to stop me. And it may not take me nine nine months after I graduate. It may take me longer. But if it takes me a year and a half, cool. Like, I'm looking at it like that first property is what matters. Once I get that first one, that's basically going to double my income. And then after that, it just gets easier to buy properties from there. Two, three, four, five, right? Before you know it, you're like, okay, now I'm five years into my full-time job making a hundred grand a year from that. And then I'm also making an extra 400 to 500 grand a year on my investments. I'm able to do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Like maybe not to the level yet of buy a private jet, but I can just keep reinvesting. And before you know it, another two years, I could be making $5 million a year just because real estate offers you so much leverage. Now, if you're in this situation, you also <laughs> previously mentioned, you mentioned kids earlier. How many kids would you like to have? I would like to have a lot. Dude, I want to have a little. I want to have the greatest youth soccer team ever. I wanna, <laughs> dude, I want to have so many kids. Like, I want to go to whoever my future wife stops. Yeah, I uh, I'm thinking four to five. Four to five. Four to five. Number. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think we we have too many people, but we're actually we're actually running out of people. Because really, we are because a lot of people are old, and they haven't died yet because we have such good like health and medication technology now that we've prolonged their life but we have a lot of people that aren't working so once they die we're really gonna have no one because because on top of that birth rates are down and and all these other things are going on that we're not having as much sex we're not making uh, as many kids so it's like okay we're running out of people like we we need to have more people. So if I can contribute to that, you know. so if you can contribute to that, <laughs> make can, the world a little bit better place. Make it a little bit better, you know. <laughs> do your part. Although really, I plan on my kids being rich and being able to do whatever they want to. So really, they won't help in any way. <laughs> well, hang on. Let me ask you. You said you so you want your kids to be rich too. Do you think that might also affect them socially? Like, because if you're not Absolutely. a rich kid that's like spoiled, and you're like, dude, this kid sucks to be around. Well, that's the thing is they're not going to be those spoiled rich kids because I'm not going to give them everything. You know, there's a difference when people are like, here, here's this. And they just give you that, give you it. And then you become entitled. It's when I say they're going to be rich. I mean, I'm going to set them up with the habits to start creating wealth early. So that way, by the time they are 21, they already have four properties to their name. They don't have to work a job, right? When they're 16 years old, they're going to start doing something stupid, like investing in washing machines, right? Like, okay, I own a hotel or something and, and we have washing machines okay yeah one of my sons owns all the washing machines on every floor and so every month he's making let's say like two three thousand dollars at 16 years old take that for yeah right and then you start okay 18 you can open a credit card both start building credit all that good stuff by 21 you can make a down payment on a property right you could buy a couple probably because you, you'll you'll be saved up and so it will be less about, oh, I'm going to give them everything and more so I'm going to give them 
the habit and the lifestyle that I'm trying to create for myself, but much earlier. And I'm going to inform them, here's how things work. Here's how money works. Here's how you can use it to your advantage in this way and show them the process so that they can create it for themselves. I don't have to give it to them, right? But I'll give them all of the information to do it. All the information on how to do it. Yeah. And I want them to be be wealthy so that they have freedom in their life too. You could do it like Trump said. Like I did it all on my own. I set a $50 million loan for my dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little less than that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what the exact number. But I had a small loan of a million dollars. <laughs> oh, that's what it was, a million yeah, yeah. dollars. Yeah, but, hey, you know. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Though. I agree. We killed like an hour and 20. Absolutely, man. It was it was a pleasure having you on, as always. I'm sure I'll have you on as another guest because I like the way that you just bring up new topics and just let the conversation flow organically. So <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. You too. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to wrap this episode up. If you guys enjoyed this, uh, feel free to stay tuned. Uh, we plan on coming up with an episode every week. The goal is uh, every Friday or Saturday, depending on how long editing takes, but definitely once a week. Uh, we will be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, so go check us out there. Uh, if you want to follow us on socials as well, there will be a link for that in our bios. Um, my Instagram is underscore Jacob Sherman underscore uh so feel free to go follow us and find the link there um yeah ho- uh, hopefully you enjoyed and we will see you on the next one you've got me in pieces the mystery to the